the whole industry is just starved for action in such a way that they're like, as soon as anything gets a little momentum, it's just flying. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another app of Empire. We have Dan from CMS joining today. Dan, what's going on, man? Nothing. Um, like we were talking a little bit before this, market's still up, so everybody's pretty happy about that. Um, um, hopefully it'll be spring soon, so I'm happy about that. No complaints, huh? For a Bostonian who's uh, freezing his ass off over there. I know. It was like 65 degrees like a week ago, and then it went to like, I don't know, like 10 or something like that. So it was a real emotional swing. Yeah. Well, before we jump into the pod, man, I feel like uh, congrats is in order. Uh, you you survived when a lot of your, your comrades did not, so... I know, yeah, pretty happy so far. Um, <laughs> I I saw that I was actually talking to Abby, who was on I was on this recently with you. Or I don't know, that's probably six months now. Um, I think the really the only reason like we made it out the other side uh, is I lived uh, started trading Bitcoin forever ago now. But in the beginning, exchanges exchanges didn't like rob you, but they would just get hacked like catastrophically, sort of every six months. Um, like Gox, everybody remembers, but even before that, like, um, the floor was really big, like they got like crushed. Um, before that, it was the one that Bitfinex turned into and then Bitfinex got hacked as well. It's anyway, like the whole point was like, you, you sort of had to mitigate your counterparty exposure on exchanges. Um, because like you could never trust that your sort of capital would be preserved there. And it was like a very like high risk, right? Like you sort of like made the assumption that one exchange would rob you if you were using like five in any given year. Um, and you like had to sort of expect a catastrophic loss of funds for stuff that like you were parking at. So like we, while we like used FCX and like we were very involved, um, like we were investors in them and like we had capital parked there at the time, like when it went down, like we, we had an amount of like balance that we were able to like eat. Right. So like we, it was never in our thought that that was completely safe. Uh, we didn't think it would end up being a case of like fraud, but we we did think that there was like a potential like security risk, right? Like they, the cold wallets get compromised from some random thing. You'd be like, well, they're supposed to be cold, but like shit happens, right? So like like there's always the possibility that like the funds are lost because of seizure, hack, or most likely hack. But anyway, so that was like why we were able to sort of come out the other side of it, even though we got ding sort of just like everybody else did. So we we self custody a lot when we can. Um, and you some of the custodians, but. That was the the big learning lesson I think a lot of people got from this. Um, that people from the past sort of had just like archaically kept around. Yeah. How badly did you guys get dinged? If you can if you can talk about that. Um, I think it was about fifteen percent of our AUM. Um, it's hard, right? Because like, what do you mark everything to? And actually, to be fair, like we're not even entirely sure how the claim is going to work. Um, because like we had, it was weird. The, the last forty eight hours, um, you kind of had like. It is weird period where you knew you weren't getting your money out, like withdrawals were not happening, but you could still trade. So like you had this odd incentive where you were trying to lose as much money on up to locks and like make it away. Right. So like the, the one that like I really like popping on Twitter at the time was like, it was like buy Solana on FTX and like selling on Binance and like try to get it. And like we were doing all sort of like weird pair trades wherever we could get borrow um, that we could like sort of do Delta neutral. So we ended up with like a really weird grab bag of stuff like on there. And we don't know how that's going to be marked or like the claims are going to be on all that. So I don't know, like 15% sort of like our best guess is like where it falls. I'm curious, Dan, uh, we learned that Galois, uh, Galois, I think. Yeah, Galois. Yeah, yeah. weird name, French. Yeah. You know, my friend's terrible, even though. Uh, anyways, <laughs> he sold his stake for 16 cents of the dollar. He said, look, uh, there's smarter people. It might take forever. What do you think of that? Do you think that's fair? Would you take it? 
Yeah, it's a good question. Um, so you got to remember that like, there's a time value of money, right? So like, let's let's assume like you're looking at five years um, for like a process, which is probably ballpark sort of estimate. I mean, Gox, for instance, is still going, right? Like we're 10 years on that. Um, the, the, what I've heard from people that do this sort of for a living on the bankruptcy side is like the fastest scenario you'd ever be looking at is two years. So anyway, let's say, let's say five years for like simplicity's sake. Like if you think you could make 10% a year in the market sort of on your money, right? Like that's sort of a 50% return that you have to like bake into taking the cash today um, versus like whatever you potentially get if you like bring it to the end. So like, I, I don't know, like in terms of like a trade, like if what I think Kevin can like sort of make on the money. Otherwise, it's probably like a coin flip. I, I do actually tend to be the assumption like that money is probably mostly going to come back. So like if, if you were to like make a market on like where it's going to land in five years, I'd probably get like in the 75 cent to like 80 cent mark if I had to like make something. Um, but like you can use the money for stuff differently today. Think compound. And, and you don't know how like the treatment of stuff is going to be. I, I think what we've sort of like found since like the dust is settled on this stuff is uh, there was more money than they thought. Um, and some of the assets like aren't as terrible as they thought. Uh, so, and that, that seems to be like good factors in front of it. Like this is like a colossal amount of like venture bets that are made in that. So you sort of just have this broad basket exposure for the stuff, like as it plays out over time, but it, it it's just going to be a long time. And I think Kevin like wants to move on, which I totally understand, right? Like, I don't think he wants to be managing a bankruptcy claim for, I don't know, however many LPs he's got for five years like i don't think that's like a great use of anybody's time and i i'm not even like entirely sure i don't know because i haven't spoken to the lps but i guess like they're okay with the idea like look like we're just gonna like rip the bandaid on this and like move off so i, I think like yeah. it's like less an economic sort of deceiving um than it was just like this like the rational sort of way to do it but i heard they traded up to like 22 cents i actually don't know how people are trading the claims um because we don't like we don't even know how the treatment i mean i guess if you have dollars it's easy because you have a dollar claim but like if you have any other basket of stuff like it's like i've heard like weird scenarios from like people that are legitimate like players outside of crypto that do like bankruptcy stuff but like the, the composition of the assets so like here's an example of like a scenario we've heard which we don't know if it's going to be true but it, it came from a very reputable like person who was saying that because of the way that the the agreement was struck and effectively like you owned your assets like on ftx um the way like your user agreement was written that there's a world that like let's say you had a hundred thousand solana on ftx and like the bankruptcy goes through like all their stuff and they go oh like we have five million solana but you may get all your solana back because they just pay out all the solana pro rata to all the depositors and then the rest of the stuff gets handled uh, would, so we don't know if that scenario would play out like netflix seemed to be a little more like of a weirder attack that it might take but Anyway, there's just open risks on this stuff, which is also why these claims are trading cheaper than like necessarily what the implied value of them would be if you held them to expiry. Because there's a lot of unknown stuff that can come up in the bankruptcy scenarios like that, or like yeah. look, I mean, there's still like there's been chalk with clawbacks on like withdrawals that went out over like I mean, like the 90 day period seems crazy time for customer activity on the thing, but who knows? Like maybe they're like the last 48 hours, like we're gonna mm. change stuff. So I there, there's a lot of unknowns. That, like just beyond like will they have x access they can have x followers of like stuff and they have like y liabilities like how does like the claim work there's like weirder things that have to be thought through so i i'm like very curious how people are actually trading these unless they're just like pricing them so cheap they're like we can eat some yeah, of these. for a big ten. so right, right if, yeah. I, if i heard you correctly there so there could be a scenario where they might recoup like 
90% of the Solana, but 20% of another coin. And so if you had Solana, then you're going to recoup a higher amount versus the other person that has the other Bitcoin coin. Bitcoin or something like yeah, that. Yeah, Bitcoin or Ethereum. And, you know, it could be a, a weird waterfall that each investor gets a different amount. That scenario got floated to us as like a potential. Um, like that being said, the person who stated it was like, this would, we have no idea, but this is like a, like a viable legal strategy that could like be sort of like right out there. So, cause like we, we have like talked to people about the potential of like selling our claim, but again, like because of the unknowns and like the haircut on it. And like, we also just like, because we're managing our own capital, we'll just like sort of sit on it. Like we don't, we don't have as much of a necessity, I think to like get a bit on it we we were looking though to see if there was anything interesting but it's just gotten like haircut too much that we're sort of taking attack now in the beginning i think we were more likely to have like hit a bid but i don't know as like subs come out we're like might as well wait yeah so i was in a twitter space with you earlier this year um where i think you had mentioned that you had gone up a lot to stable coins or actually you went to stable coins and you went to fiat when there was this whole kind of um situation with silvergate and you know there's it was and then you said no we actually are now fully deployed into the market. So I'm curious, um, maybe transitioning a little bit into just what your general take is on the market. Uh, you know, we rallied quite a bit, I think hundred uh, uh, percent, you know, ease sort of bottom that 800, now it's at 1600. All other assets have performed similarly. So I'm curious, like what's your current thinking on the market? Um, you know, narratives or themes you're excited about, just general open-ended question. Yeah, so I think if I had to say like we had to like summarize just like aggregate price action for like the last three months, I mean you had you had a lot of four sellers and you had like basically a hundred percent the sort of margining of the ecosystem, right? Like if you had any leverage on, like you had to take it off. Um, and I mean like leverage like um on the way down, like we just like we touched every potential like liquidation for sort of everybody. Um, so all that forced selling had to go through and like that abated that pretty much abated like when ftx blew up like that was sort of like all right like everything's gotten licked that could get licked um so that like put like sort of the floor in it and then absent that like you sort of like steady state of demand and like people who are looking for sort of like lower levels like step in um and we baseline higher right and then like we recovered some assets like doubled like bitcoin put in i don't know what is it from the lows like 40 percent or give or take anyway like, it, and and now you're at a point where there's like this like this rebalance of like spine demand but I, I think the bigger thing of like why you can be cautious about this being like a whole new bull market is there doesn't really seem to be like a ton of like new participation sort of in the ecosystem right like you're you're definitely not seeing like a ton of retail participation like you're not seeing sort of that behavior like flowing through um and you're not i think seeing much like institutional interest sort of in like moving things going forward if anything you've seen like an abatement the crypto became a little toxic um, for anybody to sort of like optically be involved in, especially like on the institutional side, especially right now with like all the regulatory stuff sort of like swirling and landing every other day. So that's like definitely slowed. So I, I think you've got very, you've got the lack of the end of force selling, but no real new demand that's moved in. Um, so like, I don't, I don't think we're going to like go test the lows and like move like materially lower, but like I, I think it's the same pool of capital, largely like swirling around different things sort of now. Um, so I don't know, like if you had to like put, make me put a price target, like on Bitcoin and ETH, like during the summer, like I'm, I'd wager it stays like pretty close to where it is. Mm-hmm. And then you'll just like keep playing this like merry-go-round with like other assets that like people just get excited about randomly. Like, I don't know, like, like stuff like people are doing, like there's very much activity, right? 
like yeah. there's there's assets like flying around and like doubling over the period of like a couple weeks and like stuff like that so like people are here and they're interested like and this is like sort of the people that survived the sort of last six months to a year um they're like very much like in it and sort of playing the game but they're, they're, i don't see like material new money moving the needle anywhere and you think you do have good inflation still right like there's still like assets that like these things do like throw off emissions mm-hmm. do you think the force telling is over i do i think there's i think voyage is still working out of some stuff um there's the world that like think some of these Here's the thing. So the bankruptcy has like a weird caveat to it, right? It locks up a lot of assets effectively, right? Like a lot of this stuff just gets stuck in these like core things. But like it doesn't mean it's stuck there forever, but it will be like sort of broadcast and like slowed down. So I do think like, I don't know how the bankruptcies will play out for all these guys, but like some of these assets are slowly going to be like worked out over the next years. And like that will happen. And there's a bunch of stuff like randomly still held by like the government that's got to get sold. Um, but anyway, like those, so those will be like, big slugs of supply that sort of come out there. But I think the idea that like people are like meeting margin call and like they're all getting licked and like they owe capital elsewhere. Like I think that's like done. Like, I, I mean, yes, people have gotten themselves into like hot water again, potentially, but like, I don't know. Like if you, if you made it out of that sort of shakeout, you should be okay. Now mm-hmm. you're definitely better than wherever you were three months ago. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, what catalysts are you looking for? Um, as an investor, like when you, like we've seen some like, pockets of the market and narratives really be very hot like like you know liquid staking derivatives like lido and whatnot like it was just you know pretty hot and and then you know part of nft infrastructure like the whole lido uh, sorry the whole blur situation i'm curious like as an investor what catalyst do you get excited about are you looking for um to maybe put on more size or kind of trade around that yeah uh i i guess like i think of it pretty simple still where if you've got like a sustained like repricing of risk assets outside of crypto higher um and then retail participating or even just like the existing people in the ecosystem like getting wealthier and like which is getting i think like that's like the big catalyst you're looking for like like, like you like if the stock market starts making new highs or getting close to them right like i think it'll be game on for like risk assets and like specifically crypto on the back of that um or if there's suddenly like here's the thing it's always something you never know right like DeFi summer kind of like sort of just was born out of nothing and then people went berserk over it and it sort of brought us into this whole new wave um like hands i guess are like sort of like known broadcast events that like do stuff but then even like nfts kind of just like it, it's it's very hard it's it's not unknown but it's very hard to know what will be like that thing in six to eight months that suddenly like drives a whole new wave of people sort of interested and my gut would be like there's not a ton of reason like guessing what it is it's more just knowing that there will be at some point well, you could argue DeFi summer didn't come out of nowhere. It came out of, I mean, it was just macro, right? It was like COVID, money pumping, Bitcoin starts to rip, and then and then that turns over into DeFi. Right, but I don't think it ordered the time. Like it ended up, like yeah. in hindsight, it looks like very simple, but like, I don't think when you're in it, you're like, oh, like this is, like compound launches and you're like, wow, this is going to be like wild. And you kind of like, at first, like it was stupid, right? Remember they launched and they're like, this is the dumbest thing ever. And like, right. Yeah, like, and then suddenly three months later, you're like everybody in their grandma is talking about yield farming, and you've got like people putting dedicated hundred million dollar yeah. funds into like I don't know. It it can happen very quickly. Yeah. Where so where are you looking for value right now? Yeah, so I think a lot of it is just like this capital rotation game that's like being played. Um, I don't know. Like you you see it somewhat like 
I, I don't want to like look at anything too in particular, but like right in this exact moment, like STX is like the thing, right? Like block stacks and suddenly like the rage again. And it's like semi relating to ordinals or whatever, but it, it kind of doesn't even matter. So like the whole industry is just starved for action in such a way that they're like, as soon as anything gets a little momentum, it's just uh, like we saw, you saw with Aptos before that, right? Like, and, and a lot of it isn't necessarily driven by any underlying economic sort of activity. It's more just like people want to speculate and they haven't had like a great thing to do it on. And like, as soon as they get the opportunity, they're just like, in it. so it's like happening very quickly. It's like rotating through. So just figuring out where that is like going next is like, and not even necessarily like being first, but just like catching it as it starts to happen. I feel like we've gone from a, from this like hot ball of money to like this nice lukewarm it's tepid. It's like yeah. yeah. It's that water who's like left. Is yeah. that from it? Like you know, there's obviously this like call it a cognitive bias or like this phenomenon where if you've lost and you you know you're more inclined to take outsized kind of stupid risk to make it back, like revenge trading or whatever, make it all the meme, make it all back in one trade. Is this the phenomenon we're seeing? Like, if there are no new market participants, are these folks just like willing to? rotate money much faster to make sure they're catching these narratives um there's probably some of that there's probably some people that are looking to like sort of revenge trade so they're bad I, I also just do think this is like the default of the industry is like if you just like let the participants sit there long enough like they'll find something like i think they were buying testnity right like i mean they're just like we'll find the thing like it's still but like i don't know like there's definitely a demand for it yeah you um so for context you know you to my understanding cms you guys invest both in the public and private markets um talk to us a little bit about kind of the relative value you're seeing in both of those markets how are you deploying the incremental dollar um do you see more opportunities in the liquid stuff um or you know in private opportunities yeah the liquid stuff's still cheaper um like especially given like the liquidity you get with it um and just like the base sort of like nominal value that this stuff is traded to historically. Like if you look at it from like peak to trough, like, like, yeah, like, I mean, the highs are not like what you should like benchmark everything to, but like the, the sort of like relative cheapness to like, I don't know, some trailing crypto total market cap, um, in the public side of things is like much more still drawn down than like privates, at least from what we've seen, like private valuations never, like they, they never really have like this like crash. Like they they've come down and like I think you see less people raising like opportunistically, but like stuff's still not like sort of arguably cheap relative to where it trades um, on a comp like in the public market. That would be my guess. So I still think public stuff's like much cheaper relative. Yeah. What about the secondary market? Like a lot of going back to this idea of for selling, you know, people that need a like FTX Ventures, for instance. Huge. Yeah. I don't know. I just haven't heard about too much of the trading. Um, like we, we've actually reached out to a couple things and like, it either isn't like sellable. It's like not structurally easy or like the foundation doesn't want to do it. Um, so I don't know. I, I think there's probably opportunity there. It's just, you probably are going to, like, if you wanted to deploy like a hundred million dollars into like buying cheap stuff in secondary, and you probably need like a really good lawyer and like sort of a lot of ties to like make it sort of high. so i don't know like we've just seen like it structurally doesn't like trade enough um i don't know either the projects don't want it and don't endorse it or like the sellers like have so much tape that they don't do it to me it being said like it does happen sometimes uh, uh, like i think of you guys as a 
liquid fund, like more of a hedge fund trading around things that then got into venture as the market was pumping in 2021. Like, are you, do you rethink your venture strategy at all? Or are you going to just do the same strategy going into the next cycle? We'll probably just do the same thing. Same thing. Yeah. I mean, like we, like we sell the same trap that a lot of people did where, especially if you like, so like for our situation in particular, which like, I think a lot of like individuals sort of have like a good corollary to is like, if like, as you make money, right. Like let's say the market's like going up and like, you have like assets and like, sort of like, you're like making like in general, like most people's like, you know, it's pretty tied to just like the aggregate price. Um, and you're like investing in venture at like the same time. If you run into like a situation where like, let's say you make a million dollars and you put $500,000 into venture, you still like owe $500,000 in taxes at the end of the year. So you like effectively have like made nothing that's like liquid by the end of it. So you got to like, and like, especially if the market pulls around, right? Like when like suddenly you're like losing money and like you have less liquid, like you, you got to like, you very much like have to be cautious of like how much you're sort of shipping out the door like as like the market is going on. I think a lot of people fell into this trap and like ended up entirely illiquid by the end of it just because they had like burned like they thought like sort of those good times would keep rolling and like we all did and they did roll for a lot but you end up like very much like with an illiquid asset composition like what you own by the time it's all done like the dust settles. Yeah. So you gotta like watch that like that doesn't happen. Yeah. Because like, like like a lot of a lot of the problems that you do see right like Alameda's like problems are ignoring like what they did on the customer side and like the sort of like issues there but like they're they ended up with a basket of assets that were illiquid against like liquid liabilities and like that was the story of sort of everybody like dcg genesis had the same problem three hours had the same problem it was like a lot of this like really bad bucketing of like what you needed liquid like this is like the last crash was as much like a credit problem as it was a like market problem like price yeah Let's talk macro for a sec. Um, six months ago, or whenever you were on Empire last, I don't, I don't remember the exact. I mean, let's call it like six months ago. You said that the midterms were a really interesting factor to watch. Is that like what are you watching right now in macro? Like, is it more inflation? Is it? Are you thinking about the midterms? Like, are you like what? Do, what are you thinking about right now? Well, we're on the back right of the election cycle, so like that. Excuse me, not uh, sorry, not midterms. Uh, are you starting to think about like the next presidential cycle? No, it's too far, too now. early. Yeah, 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 and like you're, they're really like. I, that's like this time next year, probably like that, yeah. like that conversation. Yeah. I think we started doing. I mean, like, I think the bigger thing is just like what are like the the larger risk assets. Like, what are what are equities doing like in the states? Like, what are sort of like rate expectations going through? That being said, like we we do not pretend to like have any edge there or know like what's going on. Yeah. Like those are like driving a lot of like yeah risk decisions. Like of what crypto's beta is to just like equities. Like at any given point, so. Yeah. I mean, like, there's, there's like, random one-off stuff coming, right? Like, you've got this, like, debt ceiling fight coming at the end of the summer. Like, that's, like, a thing that, like, will probably, like, cause other risk assets to, like, move. So, it's, like, good to know it's on the horizon, but... Do you guys trade around, like, something like the debt ceiling fight? Are you guys going to trade around that? Or, like, how do you position yourself going into that? Um, We, like, won't, probably. If anything, like, we'll just take some risk off into it, just in case, like, we want optionality into it. But, like, I don't know. Like, we don't, like I said, like, we don't... We don't think we have any edge in any of this stuff. So we just like know it's there and like we can like sort of take like we can aggregately like cut back our risk or add to it if we like think maybe we have some upside on it. But like in general, like we're not doing a ton. Yeah. But like also it dominates the conversation, right? So like if that's like everything that's going on in the market for a month, like it doesn't matter like what's going on in some like random obscure part of crypto, you know? Like it, you very quickly lose focus 
What about just the, like the landscape for, and Santi, you probably know this much better than I do as well, but like the land, the like investing in, or like the trading landscape, like where, who, where's the flow of money right now? Like who's still lending? Like who are the big OTC desks? Is it, is, is it the exact same as it was a year ago? Or it's like, it's flipped on its head or it's just like same thing, but some players have, have removed themselves. Um, so I mean, like the, I'd say the larger OTC sort of like market is like kind of the same, except for like the people we lost, like Galaxy's still like running, like Cumberland's still running, like Jump is still running, Wintermute's still up there. Like, like the, yeah. the, like you lost, you lost players for sure. But like in general, I think like actually like the spot, like Falcon, it's still there too, right? Like that it's kind of the same. Um, Amber made it out the other side. Like the, that seems to be, there's nobody lending though. Like the lending market's dead. Like I don't, that's going to be a bit. Um, it's just like everybody's got a bad taste in their mouth for good reason. Like it was, I don't, I don't think you could have run a lending book through the last 18 months and like not lost a considerable amount of money. And if you didn't go bankrupt, like you're just like happy. Um, so like, that's not great. And like a lot of the problem there is like so much of that is tied up in courts now for like a very long time. Like there's just, there's probably a very good opportunity for somebody, right? Like there, there is clearly like. You think of all the things that had product market fit in crypto on the trading side, well, like the market side, it's like like trading, obviously, and then like lending and like staking. Like those are the two things that like make money that are like clear businesses, and like one of them just has an insatiable demand for it, and like nobody's doing it right now. Like I get and you still have the DeFi stuff, but like the bilateral sort of like model. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I've been thinking a lot about this. Like if you're a founder out there. Some of the best opportunities are like you pick up some of these ashes and build. It's not to say that like the the business wasn't bad. It was just that they had terrible like risk management practices and it was just the founder or the team was not the right one. But these businesses actually like work and can work extremely well. There's like void voids in the market from liquidity standpoint that need to be filled and addressed and I think the common denominator of BlockFi, Voyager, like so, like a lot of these players just went down, not because the business there wasn't product market fit. To your point, it was just like they didn't have risk management. Yeah, they died. They died by the wrong reasons. They didn't die from like apathy of the market, for sure. Right? Yeah. Look, I mean, FTX, like obviously massive issues, but like still, they raised two billion dollars of venture capital, like, and they were throwing off hundreds of millions of dollars a quarter in like fee, you know, from like, so these chains, like that, that was a business. And like the lending ones, you could like argue where I guess from every, like less sustainable, but there, there definitely is like a nugget of like a real sort of business there. Um, yeah, to your point. So like, I, somebody will, somebody will get it right. And I hope they do because like, it was this big, these were the, these were businesses that we really not a lot. Like it's like made our lives like a lot harder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, and, it, for it, the same. I, I, yeah, and like the concentration risk is pretty bad right now um, in terms of like service providers for this stuff. Like you kind of have to use Binance and Coinbase. Like that's it. Like that's not great. Yeah. Speaking of uh, Coinbase, like what do you think about their base uh, launch? And I don't know if you have an opinion there. I think it's great. I, I'm probably it. I mean, I don't know where it's going to go. I think everybody's like, I think people are drawing too far out of the future on the whole thing. I think it's a cool project. I think it's smart. And like worst case scenario, they burned a bunch of time. Like, I don't know. I'm super pro it. I like, I like, I don't know where it's going to go. I'm very curious. To, so here's the thing that I'm very curious about is like, what, like, what is the, they, they said they want to like eventually drive it to like community ownership sort of thing. Right. So like, I want to see how they do that as, as a public company under massive scrutiny 
how they like actually move something towards like decentralization with like everybody's eyeballs on them, right? I think that'll be like a very good tell. And I think it'll be great if they can set some precedent for it. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost crazy that the day they announced this, uh, like the stock was down and like there's obviously noise, but for, seems like there was a big like disconnect here where everyone in crypto was like, okay, this could meaningfully bring a lot of, uh, an entirely new line, revenue line for them and the way they could monetize their user base and being this gateway to Web3 and and then Wall Street kind of just didn't appreciate it. It was like, meh. Like, yeah. I think they just look for like, they, Coinbase is just so driven by its short-term ability to like generate revenue right now. Like, I don't think anybody that's like serious, like trading that stock in a like size, like gives a shit about anything years out right now. Like, I think they're just like very much like a solvency concern for like the 18 to 24 months, like sort of thing. Yeah, I guess you look at the bonds, you look at, it's very- Right, like, like, like look at it from like this, people aren't giving them a ton of rope. No, not at all. I am curious if if there is a trade there, like I've always asked, um, like over time, when I look at a new investment opportunity, it's always like, you know, you look, you go to, you look at miners or you look at exchanges like Coinbase's, does it outperform ETH? You look at a private company, like, does it outperform the underlying, which is Bitcoin or Ethereum? And then I'm curious, like, um, if you had like a new pool of capital, would you buy Coinbase stock? Would you buy Ethereum or Bitcoin or like maybe just like the start there. Yeah. Like what do you uh, think outperforms? That's a good question. I I would wager that Coinbase would outperform ETH and Bitcoin in a rally at this point. Um I mean I also by the way I own Coinbase, just like it's full disclosure. Um it's been terrible. But uh like I would wager that would sort because of, if you think about like how stuff performs in like a rally, right? It's like and in this we don't have a ton of data points to this, but it's like Bitcoin does well and it does a little bit better. And then like the long tail of the assets just goes berserk and stuff like goes up a hundred thousand X sort of stuff like that. Right. Like the, the, the further you go out the risk curve, the like more stuff sort of like moves out and like Coinbase is further out the risk curve that, so that would just be like, my guess is like, it has positive data, like over one to Bitcoin and ETH, which is sort of like the index at this point. Hmm. That'd be my guess on it. Not to mention if you're a US based investor, you can do much more with Coinbase stock. Yeah, yeah. Now, it's, it's useful. It, you know, like it's it's more useful. You can you know borrow against it. You could do more stuff that presumably has less counterparty risk than if you want to do some exotic stuff with your ETH or Bitcoin. Wait, Dan, I, you think Coinbase is sto- you think Coinbase stock is further out on the spectrum than ETH? Yeah. What, is that your what, crypto nativeness? Wouldn't it be philosophical? Crypto, when, yeah, if I'm an oh, oh, oh that's that, that's like a foul. I'm like, I'm not even like, like I think that's just, like, I mean, like, Coinbase can go bankrupt, you can't. Like, I mean, like, that's like the difference. Dan, I think, is, is this the, is this your, your, the correct answer or is this the family feud answer? I, this, this is the correct answer. I'm, this is like a very few things that I think I get like okay. definitively <laughs> yeah. saying, but like. The factual part of the, of the episode? No, like, I mean, it, it's, it's like when you're. Doubles, like, I, I think traditional investors would disagree with that. I, that's fine. I mean, that that probably look, look when Coinbase was four X, that probably wasn't a realistic argument. But like yeah. where it's trading now, I think so. Yeah. Huh. I don't know. Would you buy the stock or the bonds? I'd buy the stock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or like sell I, puts or whatever, and then clip a coupon. It I seems a better. If I'm in it, I'm in it to win it yeah. longer. 
Dan, does this does, <laughs> this point does basically all the L two announcements like so you like Arbitrum's ripping uh, like Optimism stuff is interesting like Coinbase's base announcement and then like you know do you, like all all the does, does basically like the L twos uh, change your view on whether or not people will just like pun gig along on L ones in the next cycle or you think that's just something that happens in in cycle? Um, that's a good question. So this has been like the the big one from the hangover is like, will when demand for like smart contracts base heats up, right? Like if we base chain fees or two hundred dollars for a swap again, do people fall over to Optimus and Arbitrum or do they fall over to like Solana and Ajax? Um, I am still of the opinion that it will flow to the other L ones, like as like people sort of move out the risk curve. But I do think that the other L twos will eat a good chunk of like what that volume would have been historically i get that's just how i feel right now um i will see how this like actually plays out um but like i just like i sort of view the other l2s as like l1s as like far as a trade like i don't know i just like kind of like treat them very like similar um that's like like my thought on it i i don't know i feel less strongly about that than I did historically yeah do you have a take on like an ecosystem that you really like out- outside of eth like are you do you really like what's happening in solana or like cosmos or arbitrum yeah, I mean, like, we have a lot of bets in Solana and Avex. Like, that's, like, definitely, like, where, like, we parked and, like, we do a good amount of work. Um, so, like, those are sort of where we've got the most, like, vested interest and, like, where we've spent the most time. That being said, like, we have done a lot in sort of arbitrary and optimism now. Like, as a function of our time, it's, like, more. So, I don't know. That's, like, probably why I feel less strongly about it. Yeah. When you, uh, so from a portfolio construction standpoint, are you sitting on any cash or are you fully deployed? We do. We've got we've got like a probably I'd say about fifteen percent in like cash, like sort of at the moment. Yeah, fifteen. Are you holding? Are you comfortable holding that in stable coins or in a bank? No, we haven't. Like we've been in the bank bank right now. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> 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 yeah. I, I check every day to make sure we're on the it. Ah, but yeah, like that's like yeah. where we have it. We, I mean, we do keep stuff in like stables. Like we just like I don't know if, if we don't have to have it at risk, we like don't have it in the yeah. Right especially now. because to me, it's still fascinating the yields on DeFi. Like if you wanted to clip a yield on your stablecoin, you're getting right. like treasuries. Like yeah. you're, it's it's crazy. You're absolutely not being paid for the risk. Like, Definitely it's not. not. It's not a. Um, so when we talk about risks, one of the things that has been percolating much is is this idea of a regulatory clampdown and more pressure, and so. I am curious if if what you think about that, what is kind of your different scenarios and kind of timelines of how this evolves? Yeah, um, I don't think we're done. Like, I'm, I think there's probably still some in the works. There's probably some. Like, I I hope it doesn't, but I'd be like shocked if like Coinbase comes out this whole thing and like didn't get an action of some sort, right? Like, that seems a little strange. Like, um. Like they're doing a lot of the same activity that a lot of the other people are being sort of criticized for. Um, and like, I don't know the specifics of like the legal and like all their setups and all that jazz, but like, I don't know, like Kraken has a staking program and they're getting hit about it. And like Coinbase had a staking program and it's not like, I, I just, I'm, I'm like, let's play that. Like everybody, I don't think like, the dust is settled and like, all right, like we're on the back half of this. Like, I think this is still an ongoing conversation with like a lot of different um, sort of parties and like government agencies. Uh, that being said, I think what you're seeing right now is there is there's a lot of weakness in crypto right like everybody's lost a lot of balance sheet like everybody's like doing much worse like financially um and regulators are not happy about what's going on 
which is fair. Like there's been a lot of outright like criminal activity and like, if not criminal activity, like a lot of losses for like a lot of people um, in their jurisdictions. And they're coming in and they're like taking off everybody where they can with things that they know, like they either can't fight or like won't fight. Um, and it's not a terrible strategy from their point of view. Um, I don't like it, but like, I understand sort of like how they're using this to like establish precedent and to like get their hooks into everybody, um, and make it seem like they're policing what they're supposed to be policing. So, um, yeah, it's probably going to be bad for a bit. Um, I just like, I don't, it's tough. Like it gave very hard to operate, um, in the United States. Like, I don't, I don't think it's going to get any easier for the foreseeable future. I mean, there's like rumors of like a massive finance settlement sort of you keep yeah. hearing about that's like sort of out there. Like there's clearly a lot of smoke going on with like a lot of these like different things, but um, the stable coin stuff is probably the most egregious like overreach. I think that you're seeing out there, um, but um, like that'll hopefully go to court. I, I do hope that like some of the well capitalized players fight this stuff, right? Like that's like the only way like you can like slow it down and like make your case. Because if you just keep like rolling over and paying the fines as an industry, like you just then you're beholden to whatever they like sort of like thing, right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I do think I do hope a lot of this stuff like, which is why I think you do. It's good to see Coinbase in particular has like the legs to fight a lot of this stuff. So like I do hope that they will. And it's all as well. Like, really taking right? Correct. Yeah. 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 Well, like, like what is Circle if they have a stable coin that's like a security? Like it's nothing, right? Like they have to. Like their their entire like. Their existence like rests on the concept that that's not true, so they're going to have to take that cord. That goes yeah. well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it feels to me like I've I've heard multiple takes here. One of them is like the SEC really doesn't want to deem all these things securities as much as like Gunther was out saying that you know only Bitcoin is kind of not a security because you know if you force everyone to be a token like a security issuer, I guess every token issuer register as security, like it's a massive oper- op- like operational headache overhead that they have to then embark on and they probably are just better off clipping on off these like operating under this not providing guidance tends to be a good strategy because then you're you just go to pick a player you go to them and then you get like 20 million and then you fund like the operating budget for an entire division then and there and you keep doing that over and over and it's you know it's like oh i think you want an incentive standpoint like it's not a bad strategy. Like, is would it be, the question is, would it be terrible if everything was deemed a security? But if you do that, then, and then, then do you provide like very clear guidance and procedures for these token issuers to register as securities? Would that be so terrible? Yes. And, and he's right. Because I think the knock on effects are like the problem, right? It's like, you, you can't you can't just like be moving them around like as like bearer instruments then right like that like it kind of like fundamentally like destroys like the value prop in my opinion like unless they like carve it out and they're like all right he, like this is the thing right like if you force them into the existing box of like what securities are it doesn't like work but yeah, if you like make a carve out and you're like all right like these are securities but they're crypto securities and we're gonna let like this sort like these like things not apply to it like that would be potentially a good outcome um I don't know, but like I think if you try to shoehorn him into the existing box, and like I, I think that's actually like a real problem. I definitely agree with you, and there are great kind of threads about token issuers that have gone through this path, and it's like when you try to shoehorn it, it, it just doesn't work, and it becomes entirely problematic. But yeah, 
in a hybrid approach where you like do some modifications. It, yeah. To in my mind, wouldn't be that bad of an outcome. Just to get clarity, like how many LP potential LP conversations have you been on over the years? Like how much capital oh, do you think is sidelined because they're like we at this point probably a vast majority of players believe in this technology in the asset class but are on the sidelines for this particular reason i think it's great i think it's a good amount of money for sure and i think like that like leads into so many like open compliance holes i mean like realistically i think we're at like a point where like i think you, you kind of need congress to like weigh in like it's kind of got to like be their decision there's just like not a lot of appetite to do that and there's a, like it's not an issue frankly um but you were talking about how important midterms would be like in the next election cycle, like if your constituent base is really like young folks that really like this stuff, it becomes like very good political currency to go out and be like pro crypto. When is, does that happen? How, like how far away are, are we from that? I think we'll scenario? see. Yeah. It's just, it's just not, but it's just like, it's just like not an issue for like enough people, you know, it's like it, and it, it's definitely like you can come in and just be like I'm pro crypto, and then like, like it's okay. That like, doesn't mean anything, right? Like you know, like they take something like that down anything else because like Congress is like, it's, it's just like in the like tiered ranking order of things that like they care about, like that is like the general public like wants to see like action on. It's like so low, and it's even lower now because now it's just like why are we gonna like wade into this thing that's just like a tire fire, right? It's like mm-hmm. we like it's worse now than it was six months ago. Yeah, you know. I, 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 I think like, that's like the, the drawdown to mm-hmm. like the aggregate price me now, but like also just like the industry like sort of like cannibalizing itself is like yeah. there's less like political will to get something done. Yeah. Perhaps uh, shifting gears more of a personal question, but if you were to like start a fund today, would you do it? No. Given all, given all the complexity, given all, <laughs> like most people think crypto is easy. You're like, oh God, like, you know, it's really not. It, it's very hard. You have to think about and learn about a lot of things. And if you don't learn quick enough, you get slapped in the face over and over. And so, yeah, you just answer yeah. the question. Like you wouldn't yeah, start. I, I mean, what would you I, do? Oh, I think I would do it like the same way I do it now. But like, I mean, like I enjoy what I do. Like there's no like doubt about that, right? Like I very much like this is like the most fun thing you can do in your life. But if you're gonna like get in a situation where like you're raising external capital, like these it is a different thing that I think most people sort of take. And like gives the tech why we haven't like gone that way. It's like if, if you're managing other people's money and like not only like the the sort of I think you're right like you you obviously have like a dedication to like doing that and you like have like a compliance burden and you like have like rules that you have to follow and like but like, girls are just like you're taking on all the emotional like issues that come with like managing sort of external like people's money so and, and it also like only makes scale sense to like scale like you need to raise a lot i think like people like this idea of like oh i'm gonna go raise like a 15 million dollar fund is like i do i think that's like the most misguided thing in the world yeah. where it's like no you're, you're gonna it, you're gonna need to at least run 100 to 150 million it's such a bad train that people like continually go out and like try and do it. And I, I don't want to like knock anybody, but I want, I want to like have them just sit there and like do the math. And, well, the problem is because they go like, well, they're like, yeah, well, like I'll talk this thing. And like, then like, it's not, a, like, it can't be your base assumption. Like, oh, this is got like great, but people do it continuously. So I didn't fully follow that. Can you explain why that's such a bad idea? Well, because like the, the overhead of, it's just like, it's not like a traditional venture fund. The amount of complexity and fees that you're going to have to pay service providers, lawyers, 
is much it's like a multiple and yeah, you just have employees you're gonna have... what's that threshold of what of when it becomes a good idea to have a fund i can say anything less than 50 doesn't make sense hmm. and even then you're probably you get like if you're like it tends to be like if you like have like a 50 million dollar fund and like you're like you're making no money like it's like sort of like you, you pay yourself like you make like a wage but like it's a job and like that's fine but like it's not like this like and like yeah you've got like upside on the whole thing but I don't know. Like I'm, I'm less convinced that, and it's only if like things like go well, right? Like it may, you could have a situation where you got a ten million dollars sitting on FTX, and now you got a bankruptcy you got to manage five years, right? Like that's just like a situation like people sort of. There's a, there's a, there's a lot of unknown unknowns that are all headaches for you, and like your life just becomes maddening headaches. Hey everyone, quick break from Empire to tell you about another Blockworks channel that I know you're gonna love. I've been in crypto full time for five years and have always struggled with one thing which is keeping up with the next big trend. As soon as I wrap my head around MEV, we're on to AppChains. As soon as I wrap my head around AppChains, we're on to liquid staking derivatives. I'm sure you've been there. Blockworks Research has solved that problem for me. Our team puts research, data, governance, proposal updates, models, and more into one really easy to use platform so I can always stay ahead of the curve. If I don't understand something, for example, I just pull up the platform, I can search for an L1, I can search for a protocol, pull up the platform at blockboxresearch.com, I search the term, there's always an amazing amount of insight in a really consumable way. Uh, right now you can subscribe to the platform, it's 2,500 bucks a year, or 900 bucks a quarter. Hopefully you can uh, make more than $208 a month by using the platform, and you can't, you're probably in the wrong business. But if you're not ready to subscribe to the platform today, you can subscribe to the research team's free newsletter. Uh, you can follow their Twitter handles today. Links in the show notes. Trust me, once you do that, you're going to want to subscribe to the platform. If you are ready to, uh, to subscribe right now, I got you guys with a little hookup. Empire listeners get a 10% discount for the first 50 people who use the code Empire10. Got your back. Check out the links in the, sh in the description to find out more. Now, let's get back to the show. What about, uh, you talked about like this, so historically, I think a lot of folks from traditional finance, racial funds have said, oh, wow, like I can do a 10X. You know, you look at, if you're a venture fund, if you look at MVCA data, National Venture Capital Association data, like if you if you performed, like you would have been in the top quartile of a venture fund if you returned like 3X to your investors, something like this. Yeah, it does. Right? Obviously, like as an asset class matures, like it gets more competitive and, you know, returns come down. If you were the first private equity fund, you know, you did a 10x plus. Where do you think crypto is in that trajectory? Like for the new cohort of funds that raised like last year, huge funds, like, you know, these are billion dollar funds, Han, Venture, like Katie Han's fund, A16Z. A lot of these funds are sitting on billions of dollars. You talk about scale and size, but like, what is like, um, if you've been in the space for such a long time, like you're sort of been like preconditioned that anything less than a 10X is like a mediocre return, which is crazy, right? Mm. Uh, do you ever like adjust your mental frameworks? Where do you think like the next five, 10 years, like what what is the actual return potential of this asset class? If you're just indexing it, like, I don't know, probably like four to five X, like I'd have that probably. Like, I mean, if you're putting in like Bitcoin and ETH, it's probably then like two to three X. Like, I think you just like keep like chopping it. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't like baseline assumptions of like the major assets anymore. Sort of on 10X. Like, if you're out there like 
firing into like the cutting edge or stuff and like you're willing to like take massive drawdowns like yeah you can definitely like get there um mm-hmm. but like i don't know just like it's an index like sort of product of like i don't know because it's like kind of like what a 16 z com right like they're yeah they're, they're getting crypto exposure to everything and in anything um i don't know like, like that would be sort of my like if there were an etf like you're better off putting an etf than just a <laughs> paying 220 oh on a sure. two billion dollar fund you're gonna index yeah. the market there's just no just my perspective. Yeah, right. That's the thing. Correct. Correct. Which is there's scarcity value in those so people get pushed to these vehicles. Yeah. So you, basically, what you're saying so crypto. A lot of what we talk about on the podcast is like the aggregate market cap as an asset class. You know, you're at a trillion. You've been hovering around that level for a bit, chopping around that. You know, you're fundamentally saying that like you're getting to like maybe five trillion over the next three to five years. You know, assuming like yeah, the Bitcoin E2, like two and a half, three X, and then and then the ratio of altcoins at some point grows over time. Maybe new verticals, NFTs, whatever NFT, the, the next thing that is not NFTs encompasses some share. So is that is that a fair kind of mental model that you have, like five trillion? Yeah, I think you go higher than the previous high, but like less high each time in percentage yeah. terms. Which by the way, it would still be a, it's still a huge fuck. It's a hot yeah. It's funny. It's funny you say that because, like, when I tell people, like, the bullish case is like five trillion is a speck of dust for an asset class, like I mean, the internet. Crazy. Like, it, I get it, right? Like, yeah. I, I know you're laughing. No, uh, yeah, <laughs> but well, because you but it's still a lot of money. The global M two GDP figure that like people put in, like, yeah, five like, yeah. trillion is a pretty big. It's like it, it, it's a like don't get me wrong, it's a massive number, but I guess it forces you to invert and say like, which is where a lot of a lot of people are really questioning it, especially in bear markets. Is what's the whole point of this movement? Like, what's the killer use case? What's the enduring, lasting value here that you're delivering? I mean, the pitch has always been right. You're building a financial system outside the financial system. Yeah, that's programmable yeah. money, minimizing counterparty risk, transferring value on the internet without counterparty risk seems like a killer use case to me, and it seems like a far bigger market than five trillion. All right, so here I just looked up because I was like, the, the current so Nizi has twenty three trillion of assets as of the end of the year. Like that's the market cap of it. Would you rather own crypto or a quarter of all the stocks? Not all the stocks, but all the Nazi stocks. I don't know. That's like there's a lot of lot of companies making a lot of things. I I would I would take the stocks because of the correlation risk. Yeah, like that's fair. You know, but yeah, fifty years like anybody anybody's game. The other the other argument you could make is. So a lot of, you have a lot of tokens now. So like I was having this discussion with another person, like it was like, and a lot of the best investors would tell you like the best strategy is just buy the index, like buy the S&P because like the S&P, the composition of the S&P is constantly rebalancing. And so you didn't have to be right about AI. You don't have to be right about technology, software as a service, none of this stuff. But if you just had like a broad-based exposure, you would have captured that growth. Right, because it moves in. The question is, are you going to get that crypto, the same phenomenon that have tech becoming a much larger slice of the index? Is that going to happen for crypto or is crypto going to continue to operate outside of, because, you know, right now the only kind of 
exposure you can get to crypto on the public side is Coinbase and a few other names, but that's not a lot. Yeah, no, it's fair. You, you, it is like outside of it a lot more. No, yeah. it's a, it's do you think argument. it ever, like, how many public crypto companies do you think we're going to see in the next five years? Blocks, Anchorage. Yeah, there. Sh- I mean, realistically, there should be like a dozen now, but like that—that's a whole other conversation. But yeah, I think you're looking like I don't know, four to five trillion dollars. There should be twenty-five public companies that have value. Yeah, yeah. Like it's—it's kind of wild if you think about how few there are and how big some of these businesses are. It almost seems to me like if 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 that scenario doesn't play out, then crypto is not going anywhere. Probably not. It definitely makes it slower, for sure. Yeah. Definitely. So, so um, for my, I guess I'm not as familiar, but so you're just managing your own like prop capital, or do you have outside investors? Right, we're just managing our own. Okay. Like, so it's like I mean, it's a partnership effectively, like in which manage the partner sort of funds. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm curious if you like talking to other managers. Like, what's the sentiment out there? It depends. depends how you've done thus far, right? It, it, it depends how tied in any of these like bankruptcies you are. Um, I think a lot. Of, I mean, there's a lot of guys that are in a situation where, like, I think they're the. It, so look, there's two worlds. There's some people that launched and like just didn't deploy a ton and like are in a really good spot where they have like a lot of like effectively like capital that they can still deploy over the next year. They feel great about things, right? Because they can like average in much lower into sort of everything, and that's either venture or liquid, but like. That's that's the conversation mostly for like more um, the venture guys. Um, so the pace of like how they deploy like very much. Different. So the, like, people that have money to deploy feel great. They're like, this is awesome. Like we're getting in effectively like at valuations third um, or half of what we were like thinking like we would be getting them in at. So those people feel great about certain stuff. Um, people that are like too deployed and they're like down a pretty good drawdown are like in a weird spot where like I think they have to start thinking about whether or not the econ makes sense to continue doing it. Um, so I think those people are like in like a rough spot. Um, I would say that's probably like a quarter of like all the funds that are sort of out there right now where like you, you definitely get to a point where you look and you're like, all right, if you just reason that you raise a hundred million, you're down 75% you're at 25, like you got to four X that thing to get flat. Like you're not making any money until you four X it. And like, if you're like a rational person, you're like, is this really like, is this like really what I should be doing? Like. So I think like some of those probably they, they, they those funds are kind of dead whether or not they know it or not um and like they're figuring out what they do sort of on that side but a lot of people with like dry powder that can and are like doing things over time like they feel great about it, sort of yeah. stuff so it, it it really is a conversation you yeah. know it's the whole span of stuff because what you said i think is really important that i perhaps some people don't appreciate but like this high watermark concept like if you're yeah. down and like if you're like a new allocator into the space, so so say you want to put on risk, we're in this environment again, and you have two managers. One is a new fund. The other one is a fund that has a huge high watermark. Who are you going to give money to? Part of, of course, there's other variables, but a big part of me, if I'm, if I'm in that seat, I'm just thinking through the psychology and the pressure of that manager that has a huge high watermark and other capital that needs to clear the bar on. He's probably going to be more inclined to take stupid outsized risk versus yeah. the other manager that has like a clean slate. And so it's it becomes like this like death spiral of a fund that is in a in a tight spot. And you saw in traditional markets, it's fairly common. Like what was that guy that was uh, bet against like the meme stocks? 
Uh, uh, yeah, Maverick, was it Maverick uh, Capital? Uh, Melvin, 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 Melvin. Melvin. So the guy closed shop because the incentive, you just kind of realize to your point, it's really hard. And somehow like the market has like a you know, short term memory and the guy's probably going to raise capital at some other point. But I think he did. It's a long, long fund and then got banged on meta. I actually think that is like, <laughs> yeah. like a one, two, but you know, you're right. Like the, the math, like it doesn't, it, it starts to not make sense. And especially in crypto because like the funds are so small, like you're working mm-hmm. on a razor thin sort of like margins as it is um, and and on tack on top of that that if you actually don't believe that we're gonna have another you know 10x plus outcome for something like ethereum then it becomes extremely hard to clear the the high watermark for many funds out there right yeah i mean not seven to five you 10x the fund you like effectively made like 2.5x your money or something like that right? yeah because so, in the last it's like, yeah, because in the last cycle, there was a few funds that kind of were able to survive this, this like water high watermark despair, like things like Block Tower. Yeah, there's like no, they're all that came out of it. Too. Multicoin, yeah. you know, and and like for multicoin, it was like Solana was a huge like kind of like saving grace, Helium, a few other bets, but the graph. But nonetheless, um, yeah, it's interesting dynamic. Do you have you it's seen? Hard. Yeah, it's hard. It's just it's harder now because the numbers had to get actually so big, right? Like. Like you're not going from like a hundred billion to a trillion in market cap. You're going from one trillion to ten trillion. Like this, like, I don't know. Like those, like, it's just a lot of large numbers, right? Yeah. What do you think is the just on this point? What do you think is the sweet spot for a fund? You know, in traditional venture, like Benchmark, in my estimation, probably has been the best performing venture fund out there. But they've always kept their fund size the same, 250 million, I think. They've never raised more than that. And then you have an Adrian who's become more of a, you know, asset aggregator, raising billions and billions of dollars. You're wondering if they're playing a two percent game or a twenty percent game at that point. Yeah. I mean the fifty to hundred range seems kinda if you keep the team small. Mm-hmm. If you're gonna do stuff in liquid though, I'd raise a ton. Cause I don't know, you can just like you can scale a lot of it. Yeah, yeah, you could buy like easily a couple hundred million dollars of ETH and Bitcoin. Just yeah, top ten. People have done it. Yeah, <laughs> and then speaking about being on the liquid side of things, how are how are you guys thinking about the LSD trade right now and like Shanghai and March? Yeah, so actually, there's a guy who works here at Clone um, named Tarek, but he's Twitter is CMS Perry, who wrote like a really long thing up about um, what is this CMS Perry? Yeah, um, he, he's he's got a Substack where he wrote a really good thing about. Like a, a thesis that I would say here, I would say like CMS's thesis on it is like what he wrote. So I would like defer it and sort of hint them on it. But I mean, he's he's been very bold up on Lido and Rocket Pool. I think that art of business about Rocket Pool um, for sort of a bit now. I mean, it's like one of the few things where you can like see like the clear like product market fit and like the real like in the generation of actual like revenue or PL or whatever you want to call it, right? Like there's actual like economic like activity occurring back. So I think it's like a very easy one to like get to logically. So my answer is I yeah. don't know enough about what our answer is. Yeah, fair. We'll we'll, we'll link to this article. Do you do you have any take on like how how you expect withdrawals or like price action to play out around around Shanghai? Yeah, I I I'm of the opinion that supply is probably not good to price. So I don't know. Yeah. There's there's probably Sam like you get a little jump on it. Yeah, I think it'll be all right. Like it's not gonna be the end of the world. But like I yeah, yeah. like they, if you come out and you're like. Bullish. I'm just like I'm out. Sure, I, I love how Dan just 
I love it. Then just make it like super simple, like responses to a lot of like things that people over intellectualize. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, guys, it's know, more like, supply. Like, I mean, like the fair, the fair argument that's like how much of that's actually priced in already, but fair. Yeah. Yeah. Like, fair. But still, like, I don't know. Like, yeah. <laughs> do you, do you generally think that crypto markets are becoming more efficient or like things like are just not priced, like they're just not priced in or they're fully priced in? And, like, I don't think this, this keeps coming I, up in like the, the, the Bitcoin happening events. Like, it's always like, no, like it's like never priced in. Like, right. And then three months later, it doubles. Yeah. I, I have the assumption that like it's the least efficient market still on the planet. Like, and I, I mean, like, this is why you're here. <laughs> yeah. This is like part of the big thing. Like, uh, I don't know. I mean, like, you generally have a primarily retail driven worldwide market that treats a lot of this like a casino. And like, you get sort of irrational activity to that. I think like one of the big things that like people who come from ChatFi that like come into this like market, like make the mistake of is like they're overly rational sort of in their expectations of what things do. And they leave like a lot of money on the table. Um, I don't know. You have a great, I'll always attribute. Yeah. I'll always attribute with one of the greatest quotes I've heard. I mean, you guys produce some of the best memes out there. Um, but some, one, perhaps the best quote is, do you want to be right or do you want to make money? <laughs> And yeah, well, that's so true. <laughs> it's supposed to be best. Yeah, the, and the whole idea is like, don't, don't, like, I don't know. The market's selling something. Like, don't fight it. Like, it, yeah, like, it's you like probably, a, yeah. even if you don't understand what's going on, like, you're, it, it is what it is. Momentum it's trading or like, reflexivity or whatever you want to call it. It's it's worked well for you in crypto. This is also why we don't go short anything for the most part. I was going to ask you. Yeah, yeah. It's just because like it's just it, it became. Plus, there's no borrower. Well, now, now it's now it's like super hard, right? Yeah, now we like you can't actually even like structurally do it if you want to, but just like also just because like things will act with like such irrationality to the upside, and just like you can't have that tail risk sitting around forever. Like, yeah. I don't know, like how many people blow themselves up because they're like short something they're considered has no value, and it's like, like why even take the bet? I don't. Maybe some people do. Some people are much better at it, and I leave it up to them. I don't. Mm -hmm. I don't parlay in it. Well, it's been a fascinating discussion. I don't know if there's anything else you want to cover um, that there's on your mind or that your team is kind of actively looking at and share want to, want to share some alpha with the listeners. No, well, I'll plug the plug his Substack. Harrison yeah, won we'll, a lot of time into it. So. Yeah, we'll link to that Substack article. Yeah, Dan, cool. Who makes your end of your meme video? Oh, Kevin does. The legend. Yeah, he's great. How? You like must take him a month to put that thing together. <laughs> I think he starts, he starts around uh, uh, like early December and like <laughs> sort of, but he leaves it open in case like stuff happens. This one was tough because a lot of the activity was like crammed in November, yeah. <laughs> so you had to like oh, get it in. So for Dan, good. if if you ever let go of this individual, please tell him to open a Gitcoin grant because we sh <laughs> as an industry should never lose the oh, no, you're not gonna lose prowess it. that your organization produces, which is a fundamentally important for this industry he's never had a real job he won't there's no way <laughs> don't worry shut up, shut up Kevin. <laughs> yeah oh, nice all right sweet well, dad well appreciate awesome. you sharing your thoughts on the market and uh funds and all that kind of good stuff with us